This week's episode of the Trek Geeks podcast is dedicated to the loving memory of Bill's mom, Eleanor Smith, who passed away on her 88th birthday on June 22nd, 2017. May she rest in peace. Hi, this is Nana Visitor, Major Kira Norris from Deep Space Nine, and you are listening to the biggest little show this side of the Gamma Quadrant, the Trek Geeks Podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. We'll show the side of the Alpha Quadrant, your independent Star Trek podcast. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Trek Geeks. We're very excited, and we're glad you're here. Thanks for downloading, and thanks for listening. More importantly, I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. Joining me, as he does every single episode, is my illustrious and esteemed co-host. He's a person that, if he came through on a temporal rift, I would do whatever I could to send him right back through it to restore the timeline. He is the largely disappearing Dan Davidson. And Dan, welcome aboard, brother. The way I'm feeling these days, I'm not largely disappearing. I'm largely getting larger. <laughs> I need to diet and, and start working out like you do because you're looking pretty fabulous, dude. Well, you know, it's, it's a lot of hard work. What can I say? Uh, nothing. Just keep looking the way you're looking. It's great to be here. Episode 107. Very excited. And uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a fun episode and a fun discussion. Oh, I'm glad you think so. Um, <laughs> well, it, it's, people who listen to the podcast won't be surprised that, you know, we all have our favorite episodes. And we all have episodes that aren't our favorites. And um, the one we're going to talk about tonight, Dan, is definitely not one of mine, which is not a popular opinion. It's not. Um, this is pretty much universally known as one of the all-time favorites for Star Trek The Next Generation. It is one that you have said on many occasions is not one that you like, and we're going to get into all the goods and all the bads tonight as we finally talk about yesterday's Enterprise. Oh, I know you can't even wait. Yay. (laughs) Can't wait. Yay. Dan, for uh, all the people who want to tell me how absolutely wrong I am or crazy I am or how I can't be very much of a Trek fan, why don't you tell them where they can send all that hate mail? Absolutely. On Twitter, Facebook, Skype, and Instagram, you can find us at Trek Geeks. You can also send us an email at podcast at start. Let's try that again. You can also send us an email, Bill, at podcast at trekgeeks.com. You think that I just never said that before. I know, Um, right? Exactly. Um, Also, uh, you can give us a call at 508-784-1701 to leave us a voicemail, or you can do the same at speakpipe.com slash trekgeeks. And as always, we have our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. Uh, Just go right on over to facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer. Request to become part of the team, and Heather, Jackie, or Dan will let you right in to partake in all the fun. And just as a special bonus, because we love you joining Camp Kittimer so much, you're going to get early access to the Trek Geeks podcast. But Bill, they have to remember, all these people that are going to do any of these things, is that any comments or messages that they leave us may be used in a future episode of Trek Geeks, your independent Star Trek podcast. Wow, that sounded just like Ernie Anderson who did all the TNG promos early on, you know? I was trying. Next week on Star Trek, the next generation. <laughs> that was awesome. Very well, <laughs> very well done. I liked that. I would also like it when you do the love boat ones. <laughs> it's the love boat. <laughs> so fair. Wow, we're going to have to do... I, I, hear, I see another podcast coming. Ha, 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 ha. 
Dan, it's time for the news from our friends at treknews.net. Spanning the Alpha Quadrants. For all the news on all the Star Treks. It's treknews.net online at treknews.net. Dan, up first, buddy. Um, well, I got a question for you, actually. What's that, bud? What you uh, what you doing September twenty fourth, buddy? Oh, I don't know. I'm sure the Patriots are on. I'll watch them win and then figure out what to do later. Oh, wait a minute. I think I know what I'm going to be doing on September twenty fourth. <laughs> the What's date that? is the date is set, my friend. Star Trek Discovery will premiere on CBS and CBS All Access at eight thirty p.m. Eastern on Sunday, September twenty fourth. That is so awesome. They finally set a date. We are so excited. But you know what, Bill? The fun don't stop there, yo. No. (laughs) Is that how they talk on the street these days? (laughs) I don't know. But uh, because immediately after the premiere, right after episode one, episode two is going to be available on CBS All Access. So we are going to get the first two episodes on September 24th. What? Yes. It's, oh. It's we're so excited. I mean, this is like we have a date now. It's it's happening. It's real. Um, as previously mentioned, season one is going to be 15 episodes long. And the first half of season one will air between September 24th and November 5th. And then along the lines of what we're used to with shows like The Walking Dead, the second half of season one will pick up sometime in January is what we're being told. So we got a lot of Star Trek coming down the road, my friend. I am so psyched. I can't wait. I, uh, I, I'm beside myself. Well, then maybe you should talk to yourself and calm yourself down. I hate you so much right now. Okay. Well, you know what else is great about the fact that on September 24th, the Star Trek Discovery is starting? What's that? That means that on September 25th, the Discovering Trek podcast will be making its debut to discuss what we just saw the night before. And I am very excited about that. Oh, that is. It's uh, our second show. We're excited to finally have a, a launch date for that as well. And uh, we can't wait to, to start digging in on the, the next Star Trek. It's uh, it's going to be a fun time. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be busy, but it's going to be great at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it will. You know, Discovering Trek will be a little different from Trek Geeks, as it were. It'll be a pretty much an episode-by-episode episode breakdown, um, uh, almost like an after show in a sense, but... Sure. Uh, but you know, obviously in podcast form, and uh, we should have special guests every week, and and uh, hopefully it'll be something really interesting. Um, it um, all depends on whether or not you're there. So I, I was just going to say, I'll, I'll have to pencil it in on my calendar. <laughs> See that you do. <laughs> Dan, we also have some answers finally as to why Discovery was delayed a couple of times, and, and honestly, uh, we're, we're pretty okay with it. Oh, I'm very okay with it. As I've said before on this here podcast, uh, I've always said, don't get it done quickly, get it done right. And I think that's what the producers and everybody involved in Star Trek Discovery is doing. They're getting it done right instead of getting it done quick, and that's great. I mean, there's been some information uh, as to some of the reasons. One of them, which I think we kind of had an idea about, was the fact that Sonequa Martin-Green had uh, was finishing up wrapping uh, her time on The Walking Dead. Um, and it was kind of hard to schedule the two shows at the same time. So I think it's really great that CBS and the people at Discovery said, you know what, let's wait and get her involved after she's done doing her stuff on The Walking Dead. I think that's I think that shows that they're ready to do it the right way. I think so too. I mean, you know, there're still going to be people who complain about the delay or complain that they think CBS doesn't know what they're doing. And everything we've seen to date so far does nothing but contradict that. I'm sorry. Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of the other things that I found very interesting, which you can see on this article at uh, treknews.net, is is they are putting so much into the detail of the show. For example, they had to send some costume designers to Switzerland to get fabric for the new awesome Starfleet uniforms that we've seen recently. And it takes upwards of 16 weeks just to construct those uniforms. So they are the attention to detail, I think, is going to be second to none. Wow. So they won't be going through too many of those, huh? I would hope not. <laughs> yeah, they're, they are getting it done, and they are getting it done right, and I can't wait for September 24th, man. Um, another thing I can't wait for is that a certain TNG alumnus will be sitting in the director's chair for an episode during Discovery's first season. 
Yes, an accomplished director, I think we might add. Uh, our favorite uh, TNG films actually were uh, directed by this gentleman, and we were very happy to find out over, uh, just recently that Jonathan Frakes is going to be in the director's chair for at least one episode of Star Trek Discovery's Season 1, and that is big, big news. They're bringing in someone who's familiar with the genre and is a successful director and actor in his own right. Oh, without a doubt. He's he's directed some of TNG's finest outings, in addition to a couple of feature films, one of which is widely regarded as the best TNG feature film. Mm-hmm. He's directed DS9, he's directed Voyager, he's directed Enterprise. Um, at least I, I think he's directed Voyager, hasn't he? He has directed Voyager, yes. Yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> of course, I haven't seen all of Voyager still, so, you know. Blasphemer. Uh, I, am I? No. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the, when when Frakes signed on and that news was released, you could hear Trekkies everywhere just rejoicing. Yeah, it's it's really good. I mean, we've we've seen some big names behind the scenes of Discovery. We've seen some big names who are going to be in front of the camera, and now to get a big name like this behind the camera directing an episode, it's just another example of what I just said a minute ago. They're not pulling any punches. They want this to be huge, and it shows right now. Oh, absolutely it does. They are, you know, we're going to hear more and more and more as the days, you know, roll on towards September. And Dan, I think that our last bit of news might be something we could hear a lot of discovery info about. Um, Looks like there's going to be a panel at one of the biggest conventions in the world. Yeah, this just dropped today, actually. Um, very excited to see. It's it's really unfortunate that we live on the East Coast sometime, isn't it, Bill? Yeah. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con is coming up the weekend of July 22nd, uh, and they are going to have a 45-minute panel in one of the large ballrooms at San Diego Comic-Con. It's going to be a Star Trek Discovery panel. Cast, writers, and producers are going to appear there. We don't have a list of names yet, but just the fact that they have announced that this is going to happen at, as you said, one of the biggest conventions in the world is going to be huge, and I can't wait to see. You know they're going to drop something because San Diego Comic-Con is the place to be. Can't wait to see it. Well, you know, it's the it's the place where things like that happen these days, right? So, you know, there's going to be a panel. I'm sure there's going to be some sort of reveal. Um, maybe there will be some additional footage shown. I have to believe that there's going to be something. Sure. But you know what this does, though? It gets me very excited for Star Trek Las Vegas because – you know, uh, I think uh, SDCC is the is June twenty second. Mm-hmm. I believe that means that STLV is just a couple of weeks after that. Right. I I have to believe. And I have I have nothing to go on with this. This is just my own conjecture. I have to believe we're going to see something significant discovery related at Star Trek Las Vegas. I certainly hope so. I know that we were both disappointed last year when there really wasn't anything in regards to discovery, um, but. I agree with you. Something's going to happen in Vegas. We know something's going to happen now at San Diego Comic-Con. And anybody who wants to get a uh, a really cool look at a new 15-second video teaser, just head on over to Star Trek Discovery's Twitter account, at Star Trek CBS. They got a really cool little video uh, about this announcement of the, uh, of the panel that's going to take place at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. You know... Um since this is the year that it's it's going live and it you know we're going to see discovery just weeks after STLV like a month after month and a half uh, I, CBS All Access is giving away a, a trip to STLV with air and hotel included um, I, I have a feeling we're going to see other branding hmm. uh, I have to, I have to believe uh, I will eat crow if I'm wrong but I'm willing Ugh. to bet that <laughs> I will to bet that we are going to see something I'm I'm not going to take you up on that bet because I'm going to be right there betting with you. <laughs> you are a smart man. And I'm not a betting man. I'm not a smart man, but I'm not a betting man either. <laughs> I'm not a smart man, Jenny. <laughs> very good. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Dan, our cosplay for good campaign is just rolling along, man. We are uh, we're getting closer to having to show off our sexy legs in Las Vegas, and we're making some great progress. What happens if our legs aren't really that sexy, though? 
Well, speak for I mean, yourself. I was going to say, I know mine are, but I'm just concerned. But then again, you've been put in all that work. So, yeah, we're very excited. Dude, we are up to 61.5% of our goal already. That is just huge. It uh, really is. I'm I'm psyched. I uh, I can't wait to uh, I can't wait for people to see us in our skirts. Right yeah, now. it's going to be great. Uh, just to remind everybody, we are trying to raise a thousand dollars for the Nevada SPCA, the largest no kill animal shelter in the Las Vegas area. We're going to wear skirts, Bill. We're going to wear the TNG season one scants that you saw uh, some of the uh, folks on the ship wearing. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. But not only is it going to be fun to raise $1,000 uh, for the SPCA, SPCA, there's a little bit extra that's going to be taking place, which we are very excited and humbled at. We really are. Dan, for the first 100 selfies that people take with us in our scans at Star Trek Las Vegas, we are going to donate a dollar ourselves to the Nevada SPCA. But wait, there's more. So our friends at the GNT Show and this is, this is amazing, and our friends at the Trek Ranks podcast, Jim Morehouse, um, are also going to match that dollar per selfie. So right now, $3 per selfie for the first 100 are also going to get donated to the Nevada SPCA. So uh, right now, there's going to be an additional 300 bucks, and I'm, I'm getting the feeling, Dan, we may be raising that number as we get closer. Oh, really? I was going to put out a challenge to any of our fellow podcasters, but uh, oh, I guess no, you've got let's, some. <laughs> no, let's put that challenge out there. I challenge you, podcasters. Match us. How's that? That was pretty good, wasn't it? It was very declarative. (laughs) It's going to be so much fun. I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to do it on Saturday, the biggest day of the con out in Vegas. We're going to have lots of people to take selfies with, and we really want them to take those selfies and and tag the uh, Nevada SPCA and tag Trek Geeks so that we can donate that extra three bucks. Uh, to go towards such a great cause. We love our animals, and uh, we think that this is just a wonderful, wonderful thing to do for those uh, fine, feathered, and uh, furry friends. (laughs) I said fur? Yeah. Fur, yeah. Yeah, and you can find the campaign at GoFundMe.com slash TrekGeeks. And just to reiterate, none of this money is ever going to see our hands. We will never touch it. It will never be in our possession. GoFundMe is going to send it straight to the Nevada SPCA, where it's going to help the dogs, cats, and other adoptable animals in the greater Las Vegas area. So you can donate with confidence. You can know that the money you donate is going to go help the animals that could use it the most. So it's GoFundMe.com slash TrekGeeks. And Dan, um, better get ready to shave those things down, buddy. No sushi? <laughs> sushi? <laughs> Boba Fett. Where? So, Bill, here we are. You know, man, I love you, man. But uh, there was some, uh, oh, I don't know, interesting discussion on YouTube between a a listener named uh, Bro Perkins and and you, my illustrious co-host of this here podcast regarding the episode Yesterday's Enterprise. So... As a result of that conversation, Bill and I started talking, and and we've mentioned yesterday's Enterprise for several years now, and that we felt that it was time to discuss at length. So, uh, what do you got to say for yourself, Bill? No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Let's back up here for a second. Uh, We thought it was time? We. Well, we thought we have talked about it, yeah. You're comfortable with your use of the pronoun we? I am. Um, Because it was really you who was like, oh, we have to talk about this. Well, because you know, the last thing in the world I want to ever do is talk about yesterday's enterprise. (laughs) I think that this is a perfect medium for you to explain to everybody why you think the way that you do. And I will say, I've watched it recently and I am steering in your direction, sir, on several points. So I think it's going to be great that we talk about it. And yeah, we, because as the executive producer, you do have to make the final decision. So yes, we. Um, I, (laughs) I think I. I bristle at that notion, sir. <laughs> so I was engaged on, on YouTube because obviously the, the podcast also drops on YouTube. And there was a commenter out there who uh, essentially took me to task on the fact that, uh, well, the reason Tasha Yar exists in yesterday's Enterprise is because when the Enterprise C left the original timeline, a new timeline where the Klingons did not see the Enterprise C 
was essentially branched off. And also he asserted that uh, uh, Tashiar never died at the hands of Armas in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seemed to be his his main point. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, you know, it, w- once the timeline was allegedly restored, Tashiar then went on and, you know, uh, continued. And, and so that meant that she never was killed by Armas. It's like, well, my point was that they never told us that she was you know, never killed by Armas as a result of going back with the Enterprise C. Mm-hmm. And that started our discussion between you and me. You know, um, I, I get that, that everybody has an opinion, and that's great. I get that everybody um, has a favorite episode, and conversely, every episode is somebody's least favorite, the champion rules, we refer to it. Sure. But um, yeah, this... This gentleman was taking me to task, um, you know, essentially jumping down my throat to tell me I'm I'm wrong. And it's like, well, that's fine that you have that opinion. It's like, if you can demonstrate to me where you're correct, I'll happily eat crow. But um, otherwise, uh, sorry, uh, I'm not buying it. And that's kind of where we are. Sure. Now, you know, we I'm sure that everybody who's listening, there's no need to go over the entire episode of what everybody knows what yesterday's enterprise is all about everybody knows probably every single scene um so i don't think we need to do the the two or five or how many minute you know breakdown of the episode um i think what is great about what we're going to do tonight is is i have to say that for me personally after watching it several times over the last couple of weeks i believe that it is a great fun hour of television, but I have to put that hour set limit because if you take it in any more greater context about things that happen after this hour, it's there's it's a mess, and that's one of the, some of the things that we're going to talk about. But I think it's a fun adventure time story. We get to see characters that are doing things a little bit differently than what we're used to, and I love the darkness and the cool uniform changes and stuff like that. But it I, I have to I have to say that it's only a great episode in a bubble. Okay, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't. I, uh, at least I, I can respect the fact that you that you frame it like that, because if you think about it, you know, and what it results in later on, um, there's no way this episode can stay great. I agree, absolutely, and that's something that I really didn't wrap my head around a lot until I really started dissecting what this episode. If you if you look at the I don't, to, to quote another episode, you look at the cause and effect of what happens in this episode. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> yeah, I thought you might like that. Um, it It is ripe with errors, to be perfectly honest, in my opinion. And that's what I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about. Again, it's a, it's a fun, great episode by itself. I really think it is. I know that I think that more so than you. It's just an enjoy. It's when it's one that's on TV. I'll watch it. It's it's great. There's a lot of good aspects to it. I know you love the Enterprise C. You love the Ambassador class. I do. I love that Ambassador class ship. I think you know we've talked about this before. I think it is the perfect bridging of the TOS style and and the the Enterprise D. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you can see the lineage of both those ships in that design. And Rick Sternbach did a, a killer job with that design. I love it. Yeah, it really, really is nice. And the and and the for the first time you see this episode and you see that ship come through, and you see what it looks like. You're just like, oh, look at what they've done. It's just so great how it's bridged the different ships between generations. It it's beautiful. It really is. I um the the only thing that gets me about it, you know, um, as far as a production design choice was to have everybody, and it's not the first time they've done this in Next Gen, wear the, uh, the monster maroon uniforms with no turtleneck. It just looks really weird. <laughs> it, does, it does look uh, really weird. And that's one thing I was wondering, is the time frame of the Enterprise C versus the time frame of the, oh, let's, let's just go with Star Trek VI, the last one, with the, with the sure. original series crew, where those uniforms were pretty much the norm. That seems to be quite a huge gap where those uniforms stayed the same for a long period of time with just getting rid of the turtlenecks. Because we've yeah. seen we've seen uniform changes from season to season with Deep Space Nine. So, Even with Next Gen. And Next Gen, yeah. That's right. Absolutely. So I thought that was an interesting, huh, moment of the episode. 
you know, I get it. You know, it's budgetary. They've got all these monster maroons hanging on racks. They don't have to go back to costuming and design something new. I get it. But um, I'm saying to myself, um, it looks like they just didn't finish getting dressed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like they all forgot their turtleneck. <laughs> nice. Very nice. I like that, Thank too. You. Thank you. You're rolling right with it, man. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, this was a great way to bring back Denise Crosby as Yar. It was good to see her. We've talked before how her death in season one was kind of a wasted death. Um and it was good to see her. She looked great in the episode. I, I liked it. There was subtle differences to how she looked as to when she was uh, um, on uh, season one. So it was great to see her back and doing what she did when she was uh, a regular cast member. Oh, I agree with you. Um, you know, I, I think it's great they, they brought her back just to kill her off again, because really that's what they did. <laughs> um, even Ron Moore has admitted that. I mean, you know... Uh, they wanted a chance to kill her right. Exactly. Um, which is on, on one of the, 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 the DVD special features, I think, for season four. Um, you know, so, uh, well, that's how we know Tasha's dead, by the way. <laughs> um, Ron Moore said so. <laughs> you know, so I, I thought it was good that they, they wanted to give Tasha some kind of sacrifice. I thought it was good that they wanted to give her death purpose and that, you know, the character calls it out in the script saying, you know, I want my death to, to mean something. Right. You know, so she, I, I think it's really good the way they introduce that even in the storyline itself. Yeah, I agree. Um, one of the things I did not care about, why do they do this so often in episodes? And I, actually they did it in arcs and DS9 and Voyager and even TNG, the whole love interest thing with Castillo kind of, I don't know. I don't know if soured is the right word. Um, I understand why they did it, but I don't know. It just, it just didn't, it didn't really hold much for me. What about you? You know, I have to admit the whole time, every time she's talking to Castillo, I just want her to, to lean over and say, Hey, shooter, you want to go to red lobster? <laughs> nice. Shooter McGavin. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I can't look Castillo and not see shooter McGavin. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, I've always is it Castile or Castillo because it's like it's like the whole Kyle Kyle type thing. You never know which one it is from scene to scene. Yeah, I know. It, it seems like that changes uh, with depending on what character says it. <laughs> it was uh, it was also other positive things. It was very good to see uh, a female finally leading the Enterprise. Well uh, overdue with uh, Captain Garrett. Um, I love the actress who plays Garrett. I know she also played a Cardassian in a great episode of Deep Space Nine. So uh, um, it was good to see her. Too bad she met the death. That that looked like it hurt, dude. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, Trisha O'Neill also was uh, was a Klingon. And um, oh, it was the episode with uh, the metaphasic shielding. The first episode with metaphasic shielding. Oh, with uh, um, the, uh, the bev- suspicions. Yes, yeah, suspicions. Yes, Thank you. Yes, yes. Yep. Um, That's right. I forgot about that. I wouldn't have remembered if not for our friends over at Mission Log. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> or at least our friend Ken. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's fan. You know, going back to Christopher McDonald who played Castillo, I, I didn't really see a purpose for the love interest with Tasha because it happens in like a half an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, we're so star-crossed lovers. I must go back with you. Um, it didn't really work for me. Uh, I could, if they left that part of it out and Tasha went back simply just to give her death meaning, I'm on board. Right. The way I look at it is, okay, I'm a dude who just came through a time rift. I'm in the future. Um, if we go back, we're going to get annihilated pretty much as soon as we get back there. I don't really think I'd be having time to try to hit on somebody. <laughs> Although I have to say, the, the line in the script where Castillo essentially says to her, so, you know, hey, you get back and you see some old man mm. looking at you, uh, you know, it, it, essentially it's me. I thought that, I thought that was a really nicely crafted scene between those two characters. Yes, that was. A, and I, the line was cool. It was very cool. It was. I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of really warped when you think about it. Hey, I did it again. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, but I, I just thought that that was kind of. Eh. Um, Want to talk about Guinan? OK, <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I, I like what they did. Guinan has always been extremely mysterious. Her race has always been very mysterious as as to, you know, the race of listeners and these sensory powers that they have. 
Of course, we know that this episode couldn't have happened without that Guinan aspect in the episode that she knew something was off. I personally thought it was cool. I don't think you have that same feeling. I don't. I thought it was. I thought it was a bit lazy. Um, now, don't get me wrong. I, I love. I like Guinan. I love Whoopi. Um, but I think the problem with Guinan is that there's always far too much mystery and not enough answers. It's kind of like watching Lost, which I know is your favorite TV series of all time. Very good analogy. I like that. It's kind of like watching Lost. There's always more questions than answers. And and the writers, you know, during TNG's, you know, first run episodes would always tease, well, we're going to find out more about Guinan. Come to find out we really don't ever find out more about Guinan with the exception of Time's Arrow. That's a good point. I think... um I do think, however, that with all of the episodes that Whoopi starred in, uh, or had a guest uh, appearance in as Guinan, this was the one that she had the most meat to. Is that the right phrase? I mean, it's she's not putting her hands up like claws when Q comes in. She she actually uh-huh. has a great deal to do with this episode, how it how it comes out, how everything gets you know set back to normal, and it was I think. I haven't seen Times Arrow in a long time, so I, I, I'll have to review it. But I think this was one of her strongest performances in the series in terms of, of the Guinan character itself. I take nothing away from Whoopi's performance or essentially how she played Guinan in this episode. I just think that it was a poor plot device. Everything in the timeline has changed because of the events that unfolded except Guinan. I, I, I have a hard time buying that. It's like she had some kind of special temporal shielding around her. Exactly. And I don't get why. You know, she has this sense that something is different. Okay, what does that tell us about the Elorians? Does it tell us anything about them? Is this uh, an ability that's unique to her? It just wasn't something that I thought fit. And I thought it was just, I thought it was a convenient plot device simply just to introduce some, some drama. So they can figure out that they're in an alternate timeline and be able to get their captain to change the course of what's going on, but they can't file a, fly a shuttlecraft into the Nexus. Oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I guess and that's their, fault too. It is. I guess she's not good enough. Damn it, not good enough. Oh, nice. Yeah, I've You're been waiting wait all night for that, that one. Out. <laughs> that you know, may be my second favorite line of the episode. There, there's there's good scenes between Guinan and, and Tasha Yar. Um, I do like that scene very much only because Denise and Whoopi do a great job with it. Mm-hmm. But, and even the, even the scene where Guinan goes to Picard, it really just, it seems a little heavy fisted to me. Really? No, I, I've never yeah. really got that. I thought that that scene was great where she's, I will say, you got to give Guinan credit for standing her ground. She has nothing to base this on other than just that she feels this way. Picard's doing everything in the world to dissuade her and say it's not happening. When he slams that pad down on the desk or whatever he's got in his hand, that's a powerful scene of him really being frustrated with what she's saying and not giving any concrete evidence to back her up. Um, she She... She stood her ground, and I guess it was off-camera that she convinced him because Picard, all of a sudden, after not agreeing with her, all of a sudden said, we're going to do it. So why is there a bartender on a warship? <laughs> People got to drink, man. <laughs> <laughs> they can't just go to the replicator? I, and that's one of the things that I've always asked myself about this episode. It's like, you know, there, there are definite stark lighting differences. Ten Forward looks mm-hmm. a lot different, you know, um, I just I never understood why Guinan's character was still in this part of the timeline when everything else had changed so dramatically. Well, actually, Tasha did say to Castile, Castillo, whatever his name was, that replicators are not used much. Why do they have the TKLs? Because everything is um, all all energy and power is pr- pretty much for the defensive systems. So that then could be why. Where's the booze coming from? Uh, under the desk of the bar. That's why they need a bartender. <laughs> it is green. <laughs> I was just going to say that. You beat me to it. <laughs> okay. So let's get to the to the meat of, of our discussion. And and you mentioned well, it a little bit. Oh, go ahead. There's one thing I want to bring up first. One of the things I, I, I do like in the dynamic of, of, of this timeline is the less than friendly relationship that Picard and Riker 
seem to have. Yes, they, yeah. I, I believe I'm aware of your opinion, number one. I thought that was a great line also. You know, there's there's just very subtle things. And it's different because you know, he doesn't call him number one in this alternate timeline. Oh, Commander, that's one, right. Yep. Just Commander. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, it's it's not the 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 friendly relationship they have the the familial type relationship that you would expect in in the the regular timeline and, you know, this this altered version of of the prime timeline is, is definitely one that's much more tense mm-hmm. so I just wanted to be sure I got that in there so people actually know that there are things about this that I I like oh yes a one or two. One or two. <laughs> you're right. You're absolutely right about that. And and you and it's not. It, it goes both ways. Um, the scene we were just talking about when he's telling the crew that when Picard's telling the crew we're going to do this, and Riker wants to give his opinion, and Picard's like, "No, we. I'm not looking for your consent. This is what we're doing." I thought that was yeah. brilliantly discussed, and it showed that you know butting heads between the two. It kind of reminded me of a mirror universe, but not. Yes, a little bit. I agree with that. Yeah, coolness. Yeah. So, I was watching this with my beautiful bride uh, last week, and at the end of the episode, I said, so, what'd you think? She goes, I like it. I said, but it doesn't work. And she goes, what do you mean? And I tried to explain it in the simplest terms that I could, so I'm going to try to do it here. And it's very basic to what, it's very similar to what you were talking about when you were discussing it with the person on YouTube. So, the ship comes through the timeline, uh, the the rift, and, and alters the timeline. Okay, so we have now a new timeline. Well, no, is, we have the we have the same timeline. It's just altered. It's right. just so what I'm doing just for the sake of argument, I'm just making it a like a little the timeline skewed that type of thing. Um, <laughs> okay, sorry. So, so basically, it is it is made very clear in this quote unquote new timeline where they're at war with the Klingons that if they go back, they will be restoring the past. Picard actually says that we'll be restoring the past. So. If Tasha is on the Enterprise C, and the Enterprise C goes through the rift to go back at the exact instant they came through, and they are restoring the past, Tasha is already dead. So she should have instantly vanished off the bridge of the Enterprise C because she's dead, because the timeline has been restored to its normal one. There's no other timeline. There's no fixing it. So... With Tasha being not there because she was killed by Armas, there is no way that any of the events that happen later in TNG that have anything to do with Sila can take place. And to me, that even includes the Klingon Civil War. Agreed. Unless the Klingon Civil War happens with some other Romulan pulling the strings. Then I would say that the what we see of the Klingon Civil War could ever have happened because of Sila. Because she right. should not exist. Seagull should never exist. Period. It's not, it should not have happened. I understand why they did it. It just shouldn't have happened. You know, in in preparing for this episode of the podcast, I've had to go back and watch yesterday's Enterprise several times, and I, I think the way you've touched on it is is a hundred percent spot on. I think that most of my problems with yesterday's Enterprise are derived from what spawned from it. Mm-hmm. You know, from the fact that we got five additional episodes with Sela, right? Um, or, or however many there are, I think it's five, and um, a character that just should not exist. Because I look at the events of this timeline the same way I do Star Trek: First Contact, you know, or Time Squared in TNG's second season. Oh yes, you know, First Contact, the Enterprise has to go back and and repair the damage the Borg have done to the timeline, and they can do it because they're shielded by the temporal wake of the the Borg sphere. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what insulates them from the changes. So they go back, they change it, and we presume the timeline is restored because everything seems back to normal in the next movie. Great. Right. If I look at time squared, you know, which is a essentially a fast forward of the same timeline because we get that future Picard, once the two timelines sync up and the Enterprise busts through that, that anomaly and, and instead of trying to get away from it, what happens to the future Picard? He disappears. The timeline restores itself. Yep. So I have to, based on, on what we've seen in Trek already, I have to believe that Tashiar is dead. Yes. And uh, I'm sorry to, to Mr. Perkins on YouTube, but he, he's just wrong. You know, Ron Moore says he's wrong. You know, yeah. that's, uh, 
But, but we, that's uh, I, you. You've covered exactly what one of my one of my largest gripes has been with the whole offshoot of yesterday's enterprise. That I don't know that I could you know embellish it anymore. Well, that's one of the things that I think took me some time to understand what was actually going on. When I've watched it through the years, I haven't really thought of it as even though it's clearly stated is that they're fixing the timeline to be back to normal. I guess I always was I was always confused when I'm like, okay, so she went back, so. Were there two Tashas in that timeline? Which doesn't make which doesn't really make any sense when you think about it. So now that I, I'm looking at it as the timeline was restored to its original line, Tasha should have winked out of existence the the microsecond that they went back through the rift to the fight with the uh, with the Romulans. Yes. I, there's there's no there's really no argument for that based on the fact that it's a restoration of the timeline. I agree 100%. You know, it's, um, it, just, it boggles my mind that people would say, well, no, she has to exist in both places. Like, well, no, she can't exist in both places. Mm-hmm. She can't exist in the future and then also in the past until she gets killed by Armis on Vega 2. Right. It, just, it, it can't happen that way. So, it, you know, I, I guess I need to take a little easier on yesterday's Enterprise because, like you said, if that episode exists in a bubble, it's not bad. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's one of Trek's best. I really don't, because I think there are so many other episodes that are far better than this one. But I, I will admit that if we look at this episode in a bubble, yesterday's Enterprise is not bad. Yeah, I, there's a lot of things that I really like about it. I like how the entire timeline shifts, the, that little hazy little twist when Picard's asking uh, for a report. I love how Worf's all of a sudden gone, which is total, totally makes sense because they're at war with the Klingons, being replaced by Tasha. I love all those subtle things. Like I said before, I love the little silver bands that they have on the uniforms. And if you look closely, based on rank, those bands are actually a little different. Some have one delta, some have two. I thought that was really cool. The bridge setup was much different. It was like sitting up higher. The horseshoe wasn't what were wasn't even there. I don't think was it? It was gone. It was kind of there. I, yeah. About the yeah. uh, the bands, yeah. You know, I kind of have a love hate relationship with those bands <laughs> because I think that everybody wearing them looks like a crossing guard. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Hashtag Starfleet crossing guard. <laughs> You heard some familiar names that we haven't heard from or seen in a long time. Uh, um, Susie Plaxon's Vulcan, Dr. Salar. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, yeah, she's being paged. Um, so there's a lot of good uh, little tidbits thrown in. And I really do enjoy the episode, but as a standalone episode only, I can't appreciate what happens later. Now, don't get me wrong. The episodes that happen later, Unification, for God's sake, is one of the episodes. And we all know how great that is. The Klingon Civil War two-parter. It's Jim Morehouse's, what is it, the top favorite TNG that uh, when, he ha- when yeah. we had him on the podcast? They're yeah. fantastic episodes. But there's that huge, there's, it's, uh, the, for all words, there's that huge mistake in my mind of, of, the, of what they turned the events of this episode into taking place in the future episodes of TNG is just, is just uh, you can't overlook it. I think that yesterday's Enterprise would have been better served as a two-part episode because I think it needed to be because, you know, the, they had to cram a whole lot into 48 minutes or, or whatever it is. And I think that they needed to draw some more things out. I mean, heck, we got a two-part episode out of Gambit, which could have easily been oh, one sure. episode. Yeah. You know, it's in fact you take a look at the different takes on this episode. You know, um, Roberto Orsi, who you know co-wrote uh, Star Trek 2009 and and In a Darkness, cited this episode as the primary inspiration for that Star Trek 2009. You know, director David Carson, who directed this episode, cites it as one of his favorites. But Frakes, Jonathan Frakes, who was directed as we talked about earlier, some of Trek's best outings. Quote, to this day, I do not understand yesterday's Enterprise. I don't know what the F happened in that episode. I'm still trying to understand it, but I like the look. End quote. Wow. That's great. (laughs) I never saw that quote. That's great. It's from a a book called Captain's Logs, The Unauthorized Complete Trek Voyages. Um, You know, and that's the, before I forget, I mean, I don't, I don't like the look of this episode either. The darkness or just the the overall look? Far too dark in most Mm. scenes. It could have been Nemesis. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, we had that same crit- criticism of Nemesis, sure. but 
This one's darker in some scenes. Yeah, it is. And unless you're watching it on Blu-ray, if you happen to catch this on BBC America, it's almost unwatchable. <laughs> because they're using, you know, standard def version of right. TNG. They're not using the Blu-ray version. Right. Um, if you watch it on Blu-ray, it's a little better. But if you happen to catch it on BBCA, you're you're pretty much host. Can I nitpick one final thing about the episode? Yeah. At the very end, when they're trying to get the sea into the rift. Now, during the entire episode, they're talking about getting the Enterprise C back up. They never once say anything about their impulse engines being, um, at least I don't recall, that they're you know only quarter power or whatever. Oh, my God. Does it take a long time for that ship to just get right back over to the rift to go through? Right? <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, really? I can get out and push faster than this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really can. I mean, yeah. I, uh, you know, there's, there, there are some decent things here. I mean, I really like the scene with, uh, the, the teaser scene in the beginning with Worf and, uh, and Guinan. I know Dorn, <laughs> I know Dorn hates the prune juice, but it's a really good character moment for both Worf and Guinan. It is. You know, it's, it's, it's played very well. It's really the only thing Worf does in the episode, quite honestly. And, and Guinan calls him a coward and he doesn't threaten to kill her where she stands. Oh, I know. Right. <laughs> um, you know, there's just, I think there's a lot of missed opportunities with this episode. And it's it's tough. I'm, you know, I, I want to like it, but there are just so many things that I watch and it just, it makes me cringe. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know, man. I'm hopeful that this discussion that we're having here today will help to curb the opinions of how wrong you are by other people. Because I'll admit, when we first started talking about this a while back, I was not of the same mindset that I am now. I really had to take a long, hard look at it and it makes sense. And I'm hoping that our discussion and explanation of what we think is going on and quite frankly, what did go on, not to pat myself on the back too much or you (laughs) (laughs) will help people understand why we have concerns with the episode, the way that we do, but I can still love it a little bit too. Well, and ultimately, I want people to understand that I'm not telling anyone they're wrong for loving this episode. Exactly. Yep. You know, if you love Yesterday's Enterprise, you should love Yesterday's Enterprise because it's something that's important to your fandom. And the fact that I don't love it doesn't make me wrong. Right. You know, it just means that it's an episode I don't particularly enjoy when I see it. You know, I mean, I think we've established that, you know, everybody's got different tastes. I mean... Hell, I like watching Move Along Home from Deep Space Nine because it reminds me of TOS. You know, so everybody's going to have ones that they would rather pass on. And for me, this is just one of those episodes. Well put. I can't argue with you, man. But I will watch it when it comes on. (laughs) I see that you don't argue with me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think the other thing that surprised me about the, the alternate Enterprise D is it seemed a lot more, in addition to being dark, it seemed claustrophobic in a sense. Yeah, I I actually I actually felt that in ten forward of all places, yeah, and I here. think part of it is because that nice orange glowy thing behind the bar wasn't there. It was just gull metal gray NCC one seven zero one D on the wall, and it kind of made it feel more cramped. Yeah, and it makes me wonder how much time it took them to rebuild the bridge to add that raised platform, mm. you know, behind the horseshoe. And they pretty much had to jack everything up. Sure. Um, you know, I, I there were some things I did like about that alternate bridge look. You know, some things I wish they'd kept. Um, but ultimately, you know, I, I thought it was effective in at least demonstrating that Everything had changed. It wasn't the Enterprise we were used to. Sure. And I also like, speaking of the Enterprise D, I love another subtle thing. Military log combat date instead of star, ba- star date. That was brilliant. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree with that, too. Yeah. I, um, you know, I, I, appreciate, I appreciate what this episode you know, does in Star Trek. It provides an entertaining hour for a lot of people. Like you said, it's a bubble episode. I, I think it's... I think it's okay, but it's it's what happens as a result that I think really has caused me to sour on this episode, and I, I probably need to draw a better distinction between that instead of just saying I hate yesterday's Enterprise. I think that's a good idea. Let's work on that. Let's work on that. And you know what else we should work on? And that's telling people about our love for five-year mission. As you know, Dan, they provide every last bit of music for this here podcast, and we love these guys to death. <laughs> 
They are working on year four. That's not one, not two, not three, but year four, my friend. And um, I think they're starting to put some finishing touches on that bad boy. I can't wait to hear it. I, I'm just so excited about the fact that we're getting new stuff. It's kind of like Star Trek Discovery. We're getting new Star Trek. We're getting new five-year mission, man. And that's just as exciting. I'm very excited. We love five-year mission. Everybody knows we it. We, yeah, we do. Yeah, there's a lot of love to go around, you know, but not really nearly the same amount of love as when Loxana Troy was on Deep Space Nine and the crew members started having the hots for one another. Do you remember that? I do, actually, yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe it was because the band was actually visiting for a concert on the promenade. I don't know. I know that I would have the same reaction if I were on the promenade watching them. It's a great episode. It's Farxination. Make sure you check it out. You'll love it, just like we love Five Year Mission. <laughs> Farxination? <laughs> isn't, that what ha- isn't that what you get when you go to the doctor? <laughs> you get a Farxination? Not, not my doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I am... Um... That was that was a very that, that one was a stretch. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> what isn't a stretch with these things? Fair enough. So yeah, <laughs> please head on out to fiveyearmission.net. Download all their music. Learn it, live it, love it. Become a huge fan because we simply love everything they do, and we can't thank them enough as always. Dan, we also want to thank Aaron Harvey, the creator of our Trek Geeks Delta symbol, <laughs> which you see adorning the podcast and. And all over the Trek Geeks website, uh, Aaron has a fantastic podcast called Saturday Morning Trek over on Trek FM, and you can find him on Twitter as at GeekFilter. We truly appreciate his work and helping create something for Trek Geeks that just you know, really is very bold and stands out. And We love his work, and we hope you'll check him out. Dan, next week, as people may understand, we, we had a bit of a scheduling change due to events, and uh, we're going <laughs> to... Invite a, a longtime friend finally for a, a spot on Trek Geeks. Yes, we are finally looking forward uh, to this conversation. As you said, with the change, we had to do a scheduling change uh, for this week. But next week, we're finally going to get to talk to our good friend Dave Duncan from Synthaholics Podcast, and we're gonna we're gonna do it, man. Skip it or see. <laughs> Can't even talk tonight. See it Try or skip to blow it. my ears out, huh? <laughs> see it or skip it. TNG season four. There's a lot to see in season four. Will we see it or will we skip it next week with Dave Duncan sent off the podcast? <laughs> it's a, that was that was quite the mouthful. That was very um, very mellifluous. Wow. Oh, I like that. I know. Dan, we also want to remind everyone for more great Star Trek discussion, please check out our friends at the Tricorder Transmissions online at the tricordertransmissions.com. They've got, a, they've got a variety of podcasts out there, and they are guaranteed to have something that's going to entertain every Star Trek fan there is. So please check them out. And of course, Dan, for all the latest news on all the Star Treks, please visit our wonderful friends at treknews.net. Online at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode 107 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. Attention all hands. As you know, we can outrun the Klingon vessels. But we must protect the sea until she enters the temporal rift. And we must succeed. Let's make sure history never forgets the name. Coconut. Davidson out. Love you, Mom. We're joined in progress as Dan attempts to kill a spider that has just scared the hell out of him. You wouldn't even believe it. It was like the size of a truck. <laughs> I, I I take issue with your comparison. I don't believe the spider was as big as a truck. Now it's gone again. Oh, there he is. Holy shit, that thing's big. Oh, there he goes, scared across the room. Welcome to your new recording studio, Dan. Poisonous spiders. Maybe, maybe you should name it Kingdom of the Spiders. <laughs> okay. All right. Bing bong. <laughs>
<laughs> Hi, Bing Bong. <laughs> the thing I could see his teeth. They were. <laughs> what? You make it sound like you're in in Australia, for God's sake. Did you ever see the movie Arachnophobia? Yeah, a long time ago. That's me. <laughs> uh, I, so so far, you've described this spider as being as big as a truck and having huge teeth. Yes. Neither of which I think were true. All right. Initially, you said it was the size of a silver dollar. Yeah. Um, is that in, just the body or including legs? Legs. <laughs> Big legs. <laughs> maybe. Remember maybe Barkley? Yeah. <laughs> in the evolution? He was bigger than that. <laughs> maybe. Um, have you considered that that could be a mom spider and there are babies around? No, I haven't. Maybe you should. I won't. Because they could be anywhere. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's I mean, on my leg. <laughs> I got him. <laughs> I mean, hey, buddy. <sighs> oh, with, friend, with friends like me. Now I'm pretty all excited and like raring to go. <laughs> and that would be a first for this show. <laughs> Please stay so, uh, away. Okay. No, not you. Oh. <laughs> okay. You mean, you mean the spider? I'm good. Hopefully he's gone. I'm going to keep my feet up. <laughs> <sighs> it reminds me of all the old Tom and Jerry cartoons <laughs> where somebody would see a mouse. Oh. I don't. Mice don't bother me. I think mice are cute. But uh, yeah, spiders, no. And if the spider is on top of a snake, you might as well just like. <laughs> Write me off because I'm gone. If anybody has any spare spiders or snakes, you can send them to Dan at P.O. Box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Okay. Yeah. Well, I got the so, blood flowing. Go ahead. So, so buddy. Yeah. <laughs> we are 34 days away as we record this from Star Trek Las Vegas. Star Trek Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> what was that? It can't even. It can't. Oh, it's gonna be so fun. I cannot wait. So fun. Oh, thirty-four days, huh? David Ortiz. <laughs> David Ortiz. Yeah, thirty-four days. Wow. That's uh, it, you know, it wasn't all that long ago. That countdown was like in the two hundreds. It was about a hundred and you know seven hundred and eighty days ago. To be Shut honest with you. <laughs> I got my calculator up. Yeah, uh, congratulations. Thank you. It's gonna, it, yeah, it's gonna be great. Which is also means that I only have like ten days before my week at the camp. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the last week ever at the camp. Unfortunately, ever. Why is your is your family getting rid of it? My um, mom and her sisters all owed it, owned it, and they sold it to my aunt's son. So we will not be able to go up after this year again. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, I'm not real happy about it. So, yeah. So there you go. So yeah, last time. Yep. So well, and then that- so by the time that vacation's done, it'll be about two and a half weeks before Vegas. <laughs> Which means I've just been no dealing with you. No, and then right after you get back from Vegas, I got about two and a half weeks until Disney. <laughs> I'm so glad we got a plan for all these absences. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I'd be more like dead air. <laughs> True. Well, Mumphrey thinks that that's what happens on this show all the time. So what's the difference? With you, that's it right. Is. I said it, Mumphrey. With with you, it is. Wow. I don't think so. No, I do. Well, you're wrong. Dead air, Davidson. No, I don't think so. I'm going to get you a jacket with that made up. You know, they, they embroider people's names on it. Embroider your face, Bill. What does that mean? I don't know. Uh, clearly. Maybe I'll embroider your face on a jacket. And walk around and, and then walk around and say, I'm a stupid. There you go. What? <laughs> You're a child. No, it's, it's fun. I just had a spider on me. I'm all excited. <laughs> <laughs> By excited, you mean scared and yes. needing an adult? I, yes. So let me know when one gets here. Uh, there won't be any time soon, I assure no. you. <laughs> you got that right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right there, uh, Jerkarama. Are you ready to do this? I am. 
Okay. I'll start up, and then uh, afterwards you can do yours. Start up. Okay. Give me a second. <coughs> I have a little sip of my drink here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just slurp it right into the microphone. That's perfect. Tasty. Ah. 